Hey everyone, this is Prashant and I'll be your host for the VC 10X podcast and today we have Christina Chappell with us. Christina is a director at 11 Tribes Ventures where they are investing in purpose-driven founders with a special focus on founder wellness. In this episode, we talk about Christina's story and how she started her journey in venture capital. What does founder-friendly investing look like in practice? Leveraging venture partners for value add and deal flow, exciting portfolio companies, advice for folks looking to break into VC, insights into LP fundraising and lots more so without wasting any time let's dive straight in hey christina so good to have you on the vc10x podcast how are you doing hi prashant i'm doing great such a pleasure to be here pleasure hosting you and i read quite a bit about you before uh hosting you here and like you have had a short but good venture career, right? And breaking into venture. And then I believe you've previously also worked in private equity before jumping into venture. So we'll talk about all about it. So uh, to just kick things off, can we first have your story and how you started investing? Absolutely. So as far as my personal background goes, I grew up north of Atlanta in a town called Alpharetta, Georgia, and start, started my entrepreneurial efforts there. Um, I went to a large public high school that was pretty formative for my trajectory and the culture of that school, I'd like to say, was achieve or be forgotten. And I think early on, I sort of tasted the fragility of life and, you know, that we're not promised tomorrow. I saw a lot of mental health issues at my school and in my county more broadly, um, students taking their life um, and dealing with anxiety and depression. And I remember also in my early high school days reading an ancient text called Ecclesiastes and just hearing about, you know, things being vapor-like and will be the dust again soon. And so that kind of planted in me just this desire to meet each morning with as much intention, excellence, delight as possible. And so that work ethic and then the entrepreneurship bend um, kind of culminated in some projects around Atlanta, one of which was called the Petal Project. I went around to different groups of people and really brought them flowers and had conversations. And then my senior year, I was able to start a conversations movement at my school called Whisper to really help equip students to have better conversations with each other, which seems silly, but it's amazing how many questions or conversations can start and end with five words of just how are you and I'm good. And so I did see a culture change at my school in high school. And then Whisper has continued on. It's actually in 18 schools across Atlanta today, which is special. And that's kind of how I got launched to UNC Chapel Hill. I That door was opened through a scholarship opportunity that covered four years and four summers. And I got punted into a number of different environments there. I got to teach English in Hong Kong at the height of the extradition bill protests. I was studying abroad in London doing social consulting um, when March 13th, 2020, I got the eject button from there. And then, yes, as you mentioned, I was able to spend the summer at a private equity firm in Lexington, Kentucky as a summer analyst. And that was my first real taste into the world of finance. And as much as I enjoyed that summer and that company, I was less interested with their specific investment thesis. I wanted to be earlier stage, closer to people, 
And really, I wanted to find an environment where I could, I felt like I could show up fully as Christina, um, values and work integrated. And when I met the team at 11 Tribes, which was just Mark Phillips at the time, um, and heard about how he thought about investing and why 11 Tribes exists, uh, I said, you know, I'm going to move to Chicago, which I had never spent time in before. I didn't have a friend or family member in sight. And it seemed completely natural for me to drive up my car from Atlanta and move there indefinitely and um, build 11 tribes alongside Mark. That's a very interesting story of all the way from private equity to not finding it a fit for yourself and then moving over to venture side, which you believe is more exciting and keeps you more closer to people and the value aspect. And that is something that's also in focus when we talk about 11 tribes we'll talk more about it but before we do that uh like what's what's since you've seen 11 tribes right from the beginning and it was also not just the beginning of 11 tribes but also beginning of your venture career right so what what was that initial phase like that experience like of seeing a new firm build well you're also new in this journey so can you give us more insight into that? Absolutely. So when I joined the team, Mark had made his first initial investment, I believe 18 months prior. So he did have fund one raised and closed, which was an $11 million fund. He raised that through COVID and just had stacks and stacks of Zoom meetings. Um, looking at the venture landscape today, there's so much competition amongst emerging managers. And I think it's elevating the industry as a whole because for founders, especially, I mean, you kind of have you have to prove, you know, wh what you um, what your unique edges and value add is to be on that cap table. And um, for Mark, I got to join, and he was thinking about disrupting venture as an industry. So the traditional model of venture is sort of subscribed to this mentality of growth at all costs, and all costs meaning marriages, meaning relationships with your children. Like, here's the check. Come back to us when you 10 exit and we're going to squeeze every drop out of you until then. Um, and it's this culture of grinding, hustle, burning out. And the language that Mark was using as for why 11 tribes and how we differentiate was very different than the traditional model or the coastal model of venture. So being aligned with a partner and getting to apprentice him, people say that venture is a relationships industry and apprenticeship industry. I feel that acutely. It's just Mark and I who are, you know, moving the ball forward on 11 tribes day in and day out. And um, to be able to land in an environment that sort of feels like a startup in itself, and then to be around startup founders all day who are these people who also have to operate with the utmost level of intention, thoughtfulness, excellence in order to achieve what they're setting out to achieve is really um, invigorating for me. Yeah, absolutely. And when you talk about Park's different approach of investing, that how he looks at it differently than how maybe traditional venture capitalists look at it or how it's mostly structured. And, and you're saying that uh, it's uh, not as cutthroat uh, as other VCs. Uh, but like one argument that can be made is like eventually venture capitalists are there in the business to give returns to their LPs. Right. right. And and like we say that, of course, like it's not good that you should not be pushing your founders to go for that 10x exit. 
and I agree to that. But that's kind of how the incentives are aligned. Like you win when that happens, right? right. And if it if that, that doesn't happen, then the performance of your fund suffers, right? right. So how, how are you bal- balancing these two things mm-hmm. that we are not harsh on you, uh, but we are also wanting you to win? How we think about it is this idea of entrepreneurial resilience. And our hypothesis is that if the founder is a healthier individual, then that company is going to be a healthier company and our portfolio is going to have healthier returns. So we don't see it as this trade-off of, oh, our thesis is soft, like we want you to prioritize well-being and mental health, and we're just going to um, excuse non-outsized returns because of that. No, what we fundamentally believe is that if we can support our founders and bring resources around them that help them to build resilience, to endure, and to build for the long haul, where you know companies typically don't exit between or before the three or five or sometimes even eight year mark. And so how many great businesses fail in the early days, in the first two years, because that founder has burned out or as they've built, they've cratered their personal lives. And we think that if we are seeing founders as whole people, supporting them holistically and what we look for in a deal is we are, we are assessing that founder. We are playing at the earliest stages. Eleven Tribes is investing at the seed stage. And we believe that the most important asset that business has is the founding team. So therefore, why would we not surround those individuals with as many resources as possible to help them to show up at work and be on, bring their you know best self? Like some of our founders on the initial call um, had the misconception that we were, you know, telling them to kick their feet back, relax, um, you know, like the company will build itself, like prioritize your 40 hour work week. Um, and we're like, no, 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 I think you're getting it wrong. It's, you know, how can we come alongside you and help you think about, you know, what margin do you need to protect your, in your life or what sort of rhythms do you, you need to not compromise on in order to show up fully ready to, roll up the sleeves and get after it each day on the job. Um, and also make sure that as you're building, you're not um, defaulting on the things that we believe make life worth living, like relationships. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I, I love this concept, uh, uh, like founder well-being and we mm-hmm. uh, venture firms being more founder friendly. And a lot of mm-hmm. firms say this uh, like like you do, Right. And I am curious, what does this actually look like in practice? That's a great question. So the two things that we do to walk the walk of um, our words saying that we're founder focused is we have a 2% commitment. And every check that we write, usually we're writing 250K to 300K checks at the seed stage. We're investing 2% on top of that check directly to our founding team for them to spend on their well-being and development. So usually that looks like a founder who has bootstrapped their business up until this point, getting five or $6,000 in a bank account for them to spend with an executive coach for startups or on therapy. And you know, to have an investor who is thinking differently, doing things differently, and supporting you, um, it has resonated so much with our portfolio. And what we've seen too is as our fund one portfolio has matured and are starting to raise follow-on rounds, like 11 tribes get significant allocation 
in those rounds. And as those founders are thinking about who do we want in the room with us as we continue to grow and um, evolve, like because we bring a business ops ad and then we also bring this holistic people first ad, we are we are being offered a seat at that table still. Um, and then to touch on the second part of our founder commitment, that is our venture partner platform. And so we have about 12 to 15 venture partners who have started and exited companies across industries or are deep industry experts. And we use a double opt-in where we'll introduce a founder to one of our venture partners and then they'll work together and that venture partner is speaking the language of that founder. So Mark Phillips's background is in consulting and M&A. My background was in education and a bit of private equity, but neither of us had like started and exited companies. And so to have the 2% commitment, that's great. But if you can't drive like actual business opportunity at those companies, then we don't see that as a full ad. So we compensate those venture partners with GP carried interest. And so between the 2% commitment and then even how we're thinking about where are the returns, we want to assemble as many resources around those founding teams to help grow the pie for everybody who's touching 11 tribes, LPs, founders, venture partners, et cetera. Yeah, that's definitely a very exciting model. And I saw on your website that I believe there are about 12 venture partners. Correct me if I'm wrong here. But uh, that that's a very interesting model. And and I believe you, you said there are only two people full-time working on 11 tribes. That's the GP and yourself. Is that correct? Yes. We also have a part-time partner um, who has some experience at a family office, and he's on our com- investment committee. But as far as the people who are waking up and, you know, moving the torch forward, that's Mark and I currently. Yeah, that's very interesting. So basically, you have this model wherein you're bringing in this subject matter experts or sectoral experts as venture partners and they help your portfolio companies uh, succeed in a way and then in return for that they get a part of the pie that is the carried interest right yes and also they really help us with sourcing so a large part of our strategy is to target competitive geographies Unfortunately, due to inflated valuations in San Francisco and New York, we don't win there. Um, so we index on areas like Chattanooga, like Cincinnati, um, Charleston, and our venture partners are sort of the boots on the ground in those environments. And they know the people who are building and maybe not even publicly raising. And so as an emerging fund, we have a unique opportunity to kind of, you know, sift through with <laughs> Uh, the places that are not as like broadcasted publicly to then find some of those best founders, work with them from the early days and um, come alongside them as a partner who cares about them as whole people. Yeah, that's great. And let's talk about 11 Tribes investment thesis. Uh, So I love this approach of the founder-friendly mindset and having Mm -hmm. everything in place so that founders are taken care of and even supporting the founders. But uh, what's the investment thesis like? What are the sectors that you're majorly focused on? And what kind of companies do you like to back? Yeah, so we have a three-part thesis, one of which is our geography focus. So we are based in Chicago, Illinois, and we lean into our 
Midwest roots. So we are looking for companies in Indianapolis, in Kansas City. We are also looking in the Southeast, um, ecosystems like Tampa. And we find that we are able to stay disciplined to our valuation caps in those ecosystems and um, drive a lot of value for those founders who maybe are less familiar with um, prepping for subsequent rounds, like to raise them. And then we are also investing pretty much at the seed stage. So as we think about fund two, which we're currently raising, um, we're going to be sort of like middle of the fairway seed stage. We do have some pre-seed investments in our fund one portfolio from a partnership with an accelerator in Cincinnati called Ocean. And um, we're looking to stay under an $8 million pre-money valuation cap. And then the final part of our thesis is thinking about how can we uniquely support our founders in order for them to be resilient and build for the long haul and really not lose their souls while they're building these great companies. Because my partner, Mark, has sat across the table from countless founders who have had these large exits and liquidity events. And yet they're looking back with tears in their eyes at Mark saying, like, I wish you had been around five years ago, eight years ago when I was raising, because maybe I would still be married or maybe my kids would talk to me or maybe I wouldn't be so isolated. And like, we feel that deeply and um, we want to do things differently at our fund. Definitely. Yeah, I love that. Uh, great. So like, would you, would you like to mention some of your portfolio companies doing exciting work? Absolutely. I love working with our founders and, you know, a major part of my role is to manage our pipeline. So I get to be on these calls um, with the founders and supporting the portfolio. Some of the companies that we are really excited about, the company we're seeing with the most traction recently is a coffee alternative company called Rise Superfoods, R-Y-Z-E. They're growing exponentially. They are a mushroom coffee company, if you're familiar with mud water, and they are, dare I say, much tastier. So we're excited about that team and their growth. We also have quite a few healthcare investments. So one of them is Brainspace, and that company is simplifying critical care after stroke, TBI, or surgery with tools to protect the brain and help it heal. And ironically, since 1927, neurosurgeons have been using an external ventricle drain to relieve pressure on the brain to preserve its brain function. And unfortunately today, an ICU nurse has to reset that EDD every time a patient's head moves in the bed. So patients undergoing any sort of external drainage and intracranial pressure, they must be kept under constant supervision in an intensive care unit. And so improper drainage can lead to over-drainage or under-drainage and potentially seriously injure that patient, which is where brain space comes in. And their patented device monitors patient's cranial pressure real time and utilizes a blend of software, hardware, data analytics to help manage the pressure without the nurse's constant supervision. And then another one of our companies recently underwent a name change from Get Together to Scheduler AI, and they're building the fastest, easiest way to schedule by embedding AI directly into messaging platforms like texting, Slack, and they just got onto email. 
And so we're excited about that team as well. Yeah, those are some uh, amazing companies doing amazing work. And I also recently saw a LinkedIn post from you wherein you were uh, like doing a session, a physical session uh, about uh, how to break into venture capital or something like that, right? And I would like to ask you that question since you're, you're still early in your venture capital journey and seems like you're doing pretty well as well. Since you know the ropes are on everything, on every question, right? And that's great. Uh, so what would be your advice for maybe an aspiring VC who want to break into venture capital and start investing? And also, if you could also share a perspective on what are the misconceptions that people have while looking at venture capital from the outside, and that get broken down when you get inside, right? Mm-hmm. So something that people don't expect, but that's how it is, right? So right. would love to have your views on that. Right. Yeah. So the post that you recently saw was me teaching three classes at UNC Chapel Hill, my alma mater. And I came back to campus to sort of give students a Venture 101 overlook. And there are actually a ton of VC 101 resources out there recently. One of my friends, Megan Boyce, she is CEO of Gen Z VCs. She just hosted a Maven course, shattered a bunch of Maven records and produced such great content that has completely lifted the veil on venture. And I'm wondering, I I believe she's going to share them publicly. And I wonder what's going to happen because I think she has equipped people to think about how do you source how do you perfect a cold email? How do you think about doing a deep dive? Um, and how do you establish a brand or like, you know, a thesis for your fund or for you particularly as an investor that will start the flywheel effect of you getting to know founders in that vertical or in that industry? So my thoughts on breaking into venture, go back to my thoughts on how to set yourself up well for life, period. And that is to think about the people that you are recruiting onto your life team. And at UNC, I had so many people come alongside me to mentor and coach me and help me think about how I should be approaching each unique season of my life. And I've maintained those relationships. I have fed those, cultivated those over time, like brought them along for the journey and that's a hundred percent why I'm able to stand here today, why I got to 11 tribes in the first place. And honestly, how I'm able to, you know, start work as one employee number one and know what to do on the job. I mean, Mark has given me a significant level of autonomy and responsibility from the get go and working with him as my managing partner, he doesn't approach 11 tribes and where we're going so close-fisted um i'd say that he's open-handed with it he's invited me in to drive our organization forward with my own christina flair which just as a piece of advice find a leader who is going to allow wants you to grow well and then um also embrace and drive your drive whatever idea or vision forward with your own angle but the life team Like I would be nowhere without them. And what I've gotten to engage with recently, and this is sort of has been a surprise to me, is that I've been fundraising for fun too. And so I've been, you know, building out our top of the funnel with LPs and then also moving people down and um, 
like sending subdocs. And that's been a really special process as well to be able to think about, all right, as a venture investor, you have two main considerations each morning. You have to make sure that you have money to invest and that you have great companies to invest in. And for people who are entering the industry, like as long as all that you're doing ties back to either of those two pieces, then like your work is probably being well spent. And I would also say for students who are looking to get into venture, they should shoot their shot with as many cold emails and cold reach outs as possible. College especially is an exploratory phase. And I think people are much more willing to give you their time of day um, once people have the student visa or that student email. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And I love all the insights that you shared. And I'm glad that you mentioned Megan. And recently, I also did her cohort-based course uh, about uh, Venture Capital 101. Gen CVCs organized that. And I love that uh, too, uh, just like you did. And another aspect that she also mentioned in the course was that when you go for go working for early stage venture funds, one of the advantages is that you also get to have that LP interaction because then mm-hmm. you also get get to get involved in fundraising. And you mentioned that you're very much involved in that. And I, I, I can only wonder how much of learning that is bringing to you because you're interacting with these people who are sitting on like maybe billions and billions of dollars of wealth. Uh, and how, I would like, I'd love to learn more about that as well. Like, what's the experience like? Because I've heard that it's it's a really hectic, tiring process to get in touch with LPs, and sometimes they don't even reply to emails because obviously they're they are not investing all the time, or maybe it doesn't fall in their thesis. So, how's that experience been like? How many emails are you blasting out? How many calls are you getting on? And how hectic is it? <laughs> <laughs> I think that your uh, what you've heard is um, pretty real. Uh, in life. And I've sent hundreds of cold emails. Um, I've received a handful of responses. And what we have found is that when LPs share a values alignment, there's a like magic happens. (laughs) Um, And if it's not a, oh, not now, like you're building relationships for the long term. So 11 tribes were investing out of fund one, but we want to be an enduring fund. Like we want to be going into fund three and fund four. Um, so to start building those relationships now, and we are also, we have a strong commitment to be transparent with our LP base and to be communicative. Um, again, with venture typically being this black box of an industry and an asset class, We want to resist that and reject that notion and really invite our LPs in to be like, here's where we're at. And for me, so much of the job is communicating and thinking about what is the story you're telling? How can you position it in a way that is going to be well-received and interesting to that other party? And do you actually believe what you're talking about? And for me, like I'm seven months into the job now. When I first started, I was trying to orient to what even is the world of VC and then how do we fit in? And over seven months, I've only become more and more convicted into, wow, like what we are doing matters. It is different fundamentally than what other venture funds are doing. And like I've seen it in my interactions with potential investments, with our current founders, with co-investors, 
And it's amazing how many times like I'll share what we're about here and then sort of the business veil that people are wearing starts to melt away. Um, and then it's them as a person and we're able to connect and also the, the openness and the honesty and um, the unbuttoned up nature of a lot of our relationships, especially with our portfolio, allows us to be more additive because they do see us as some, like, someone who's in the fight with them, <laughs> in the trench with them, um, and really cares. So I've been able to, I think, show up to these LP meetings and look at these people who have done very well for themselves in life and confidently stand there with them and share our thesis, which has also made sort of a world of a difference. And I also have reamed into the fact that I am 23, fresh out of college. I have a lot to prove. We are competitive here. We are an ROI-focused fund. And what we're doing is fundamentally different. So that's been a, a special angle to bring to these conversations too. Absolutely. And I'm 23 too, so hi-fi on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now moving on to our final section, which is the rapid fire round, wherein I'll ask you five quick questions about the fund. And you have to give five quick answers. Sounds good. Right. All right. So the first one goes, what are the sectors and regions you invest in? We invest across sectors, but Fund One's portfolios have the future of work, healthcare, data analytics, cybersecurity, and food and ag tech. And the regions that we're looking at, we're looking at the Midwest, Southeast, the Mid-Atlantic, um, the Mountain region, those, those areas. Got it. And what's the typical stage of investment? Seed stage, post revenue. Great. And what's the typical check size you put in? Average check size of the seed is 250K to 300. And where can founders pitch you? We have an application form on our website. And also my LinkedIn DMs are very much open. Yeah. And the last one is where can our listeners follow you? Listeners can follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. And uh, word on the street is there might be a podcast coming from 11 Tribes here in the next couple months. So listeners can keep an eye out for that. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for sharing all that information. I'll make sure to put all those links uh, in the show notes below and also mention the portfolio companies you mentioned on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on, Christina. I love how well you're doing in the industry, uh, being so early as you are uh, doing so good. Thank you so much for making time for this and happy investing. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, Krishan. I really enjoyed this this morning. Pleasure hosting you. Yeah.